0: If you have a Bible, and if you want to turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, today we're more thinking about the implications of of the resurrection, some of the the differences that it actually makes. Uh, If it's a pew Bible that you have, it's page 1195. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we are going to read the first 13 verses, but when I really come to look at this passage i'm focusing from verse 10 through to through to the end but second timothy chapter 2 and we'll hear god's word beginning at verse 1 you then my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. And we thank the Lord for this reading from his truth. Amen of weeks ago I came across a picture that was shared on Facebook. I think it was someone probably who's sitting in here who shared that picture but for the life of me I couldn't remember who that person was. Couldn't find the picture again so I'm going to have to try and convey the whole image to you and it was based around a pie chart. And uh, the smaller segments, making up about less than a quarter of of the entire uh, pie chart itself, were things like uh, flavors of ice cream, uh, my teddy bear, um, my friends, things like that. Uh, The big uh, section uh, I'll come to in a little moment, but the, the heading that was over it all were Things that obsessed me when I was eight years old. So what's the one big thing that obsesses the mind of an eight-year-old child? And what it was, was meeting my teacher in the street. (laughs) Just that idea that teachers are real outside of school. They have a life outside of school. You can go to Tesco's and you might meet your teacher. You might see them standing in a queue to get a, to get a bus. So they're real people and they have real lives doing real stuff outside of that strange place called school. Now, I want to approach our reflection on the resurrection today with the same sort of an understanding that because the resurrection is true and it's historical and it's real, that it should make a difference in our lives. It should make an impact in our real lives. It means something. And so we're certainly getting away from that remoteness about God, which is why I showed that little video a moment ago about God being a man upstairs, is that sort of remote and detached from us. But this is certainly having an understanding of the resurrection, as it were, being downstairs. Downstairs in the sense that it affects real life. It affects what we actually do. So our belief in the resurrection uh, should have an impact upon us. And that's the context with which Paul writes 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And he is coming from the perspective that this is real, and this is historically verifiable, but it's not simply an historical fact. It It is a fact of life that changes your whole way of thinking. It it flips your understanding. And for Paul, it was so real in the fact that you look at verse 9, you will see that he's in prison. And even though he is in prison and he's chained to someone, is that he can still be rejoicing and that he can still see what God is doing in his life and still be in that sense content because ultimately the resurrection alters his view. Of course, he doesn't deserve to be in prison. He's in prison because of an unjust action of a a tyrant, of a ruler. He would rather be out preaching the gospel. He would rather be out with the church, as it were, but he's forced to be in jail. And he's still rejoicing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because his thinking has been turned upside down. And I today really just want to focus in on one verse, although it has its implications and flows out a little bit beyond this. But the verse that I really want you to think about and to see today, and maybe even to read a couple of times, is verse 10. Because I think this verse really is quite mind-blowing when you delay reading over it. Paul's reading over it. There is something that is really quite striking in what Paul is saying here. So let's let's read that. It says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, I really want you to pause and think over that. But essentially, the first point I'm going to try and redraw out of this is that Paul is saying here is that I can endure everything. He has an understanding that there's a higher purpose in these things, that these things happen for a reason, that God is doing something in and through this. But even more specifically, as you really Hone into that verse. You see why it is that he is able to endure everything or for what purpose he is able to endure everything. And he says, I am able to endure everything for the sake of the elect of what he means by that is by the sake, for the sake of those people who are Christians, for the sake of the church, for the sake of those who know and love Jesus. Paul is able to say here is that I am prepared, I am willing to endure everything for the sake of the church. Now when you really pause and think over that, that really is quite startling, is it not? Should you not be like really surprised by that? Because it should certainly elevate the place of the church in our thinking. Because Paul's motives in the midst of suffering and trials and difficulties is that Paul is saying, there is something here that I am enduring that will impact the body of Jesus Christ, the church. And so it will be for the well-being of the church and that should maybe causes to take a double take. And it reminds me indeed of the value that God has, God places upon the church. And it challenges times how little we actually think about the church because we are by and large, and we are inclined to be isolated individuals. We think about ourselves primarily and that we don't really think about the church it's not that important to us we can treat church a bit like consumers as long as we get what we want and and that the distance with which we want church to be we're, we're content with that but the essence of what Paul is saying is that actually I'm prepared to endure all this all these horrible things and the reason that I'm prepared to endure all these things is for the sake of the church So that really is quite remarkable. And when you look again at verse 10, when he's thinking of the church, there is a a future tense perspective of that because he's saying that they may obtain the salvation, that they too may obtain the salvation. So he's looking ahead. He's not even just looking at the people, as it were. If you imagine on Paul's den, he was looking around like a place like this and seeing individuals. He's not even just thinking about the people that he can see in the gathering or thinking who are currently part of the church, but he's thinking future of those people who are yet to come to know and love Jesus, those people who are yet to come to faith and who are yet to become part of the church. And Paul says, for those people, I am prepared to endure everything. It's for those people that I am prepared to endure everything that is thrown against me. It's for neighbors. Those neighbors of yours, you, at times have will be asked to come to church, but, but never do. Uh, Paul says, you know, it's for people like that, I'm prepared to endure all things. It's people you work with who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who in fact may even poke fun at you for your belief in Jesus and your uh, the very fact that you go to church. It's for them that Paul says, I would endure all things in the hope that they will. It's for people who will go to bed tonight and they'll wake up tomorrow morning and they don't know Jesus Christ. And we are very clear in the understanding that you do need to surrender your life to Christ. You do need to bring Jesus Christ into your life to have a hope of salvation. And so we endure for the sake of people like that, Paul is saying. And if you're not a Christian, what better day? Uh, to become a Christian then Easter Sunday at 2022 to know that today is the day that I will start to follow Jesus Christ and it will be real for me. So Paul, as he's writing here, and we see it in, in this verse, he says, I am prepared to endure. See a higher purpose for the sake of the church, what we see around us. That's truly astounding. And as we maybe unpack that a little bit more and we think of it in a slightly different way, what it also means, I think, is that the resurrection means that Paul can actually view his difficulties in a completely new light. And this is where you do need the eyes of faith because someone who is not a Christian will never, never be able to understand difficulties and hardships in any other light than the light in which they are presented. But a Christian... A follower of Jesus Christ is called upon to be able to see things differently because of the difference of the resurrection and what God has done in their lives. I mean, if you read, turn the page into verse 11 and, and following, a sense of, of what it means to be sharing with Jesus. Here is a trustworthy worthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. And skipping back to verse three, there is this sense of enduring and the continued sense of suffering which may come into your life. And he says, join with me, verse three, in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Only a rock solid belief in God, only a rock solid understanding of the difference of the resurrection will enable you to think differently about hardship. That's the only thing That will enable you to view these things in any other way. And so Paul is saying to you this morning Christ has died, and you died with him. But Christ has been raised, and your hope has been raised because you share in that and you share in the life of Jesus. And for that reason, as we go back to what I was saying a moment ago, we can endure everything for the sake of one another, for the church. I mean, let's put that in a couple of real-life contexts and thinking what Paul actually means in this passage and applying it. Let's think of a couple of really hard things. You have received a negative, as we might say, um, diagnosis from the doctor. It's, It's terminal cancer. And that's a blow, of course, But even situations like that, following what Paul is saying here, Paul is saying, I can endure even that. And the purpose that I can endure that is for the sake of the church. That's quite a mind-blowing statement when you actually put it in those terms. Or if you've got a child who's not yet a Christian, and they seem to have thrown their back on all things Christian, And you're struggling with that because you would dearly want them to know and love Jesus. You know, even that situation, following Paul's logic, is saying is that that is happening in my life. Okay, something that I can change and learn and do through that. But even that situation and how I respond to that is for the sake and the benefit of the church of Jesus Christ. And yet the thing that happens to us when we go through difficulties is so often is that we turn in upon ourselves. We can only think about ourselves. But Paul is constantly challenging us to flip our thinking so that we think about others. And so Paul is saying what the resurrection does in my life means that I can look at this suffering, I can look at this hardship, I can look at this trial and this adversity, and yet I can believe that it has been placed in my life for what God is going to do through it, even in the life of of the church. And so Paul looks at these things and says, how can this benefit the church? You know you can probably think of someone who has been able to do that sort of thinking. There's someone that you can think of right now, I'm sure, and they've had their fair share of difficulties and their struggles, And you have tried to draw alongside that person to help and encourage them. And yet even before you have opened your mouth to say something to them is that they have already started ministering to you because of what Jesus has been doing in their lives. You know, there's something that Jesus has taught them. Jesus has spoken to them about something through his word, and they want to share that with you because their minds, their thinking has been turned upside down as Paul's has because of the difference that the resurrection actually makes. And what Paul is saying is that while I can endure these things for the life of the church, it changes my thinking. Ultimately, what Paul is saying and the third point that I'm going to make is that you can have a similar outlook as well, because that's where it's all, that's where it's all heading. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Now that's a picture of, of a victorious Christian. Now, it's not that saying that there's no difficulties and there's no cancer and there's no struggle and there's no marriage difficulties and there's no financial uncertainty, but what the Christian life really is, is living real life in light of the gospel, in light of the resurrection, so that it changes how I view these things. And that word endure, that word endure is a Roman military word It's the word with which a Roman commander would have spoken and challenged his soldiers to encourage them to stand and to endure no matter what was coming against them. No matter what the onslaught of the enemy that was going to be charging in their direction, they were challenged and they were exhorted to stand and to endure. It might be, to make it more contemporary, what the Ukrainians have been saying to their soldiers as they hear the reports of the Russian advance and they hear of these reports of tanks and columns and all these other things and how they challenge their, their, their own soldiers to endure in their entrenchments and no matter what opposition that they face, that they stay and they cling on. And sometimes in our lives, we may feel that actually all that we can do is cling on. And that's what certainly what Paul is saying because not only is he preparing you for that onslaught, he's also reminding you of the victory. It's not going to be easy. But as you look at verse 12, it says is that we will reign with him. Now there's a warning if you read on into verse 12 where it says is, is that if we disown him, he will also disown us, which is a reminder again to be clear about our, our commitment and our, and our following after Jesus Christ is that if we will ignore him and if we will not bring Christ into our life, well, what can we expect on the day of judgment? But it recognizes this that we are imperfect because reading into verse 13 and what an encouragement the likes of verse 13 really is for us because we know that we fail and that we drop and that we're not standing as we should but even in spite of that reading verse 13 that if we are faithless he remains faithful because he can't disown himself so the encouragement from paul today is to live in the light of the power of the resurrection because it really should change your thinking and to endure i have another and i close with this in ukrainian um, illustration If you've been listening to President Zelensky in in recent weeks, um, one of the things that he has been doing is that he has been... connecting with parliaments and governments all over the world and he has been addressing their national assemblies and when he does that his speech writers are very clever and what they have been doing is they're not simply allowing him to speak out of his context but they're also doing their historical research and they've been finding out the speeches that resonated with the people of that nation to whom he is addressing at that time. So a few weeks ago when he was addressing uh, the Houses of of Parliament And while they were watching the screen, you will remember that he was actually quoting uh, some words of Winston Churchill from 1940. And if I remind you of of those words that Winston Churchill spoke in 1940, I think, again, we can apply those words to our understanding of the impact that the resurrection actually has for us, because we know that this is real, this is true. And even though life is going to be hard, it will still make a difference. And so, if I end with Winston Churchill's words, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say it is to wage war, by sea, land, and air, with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us. And you ask, what is our aim? I can answer it in one word. It is victory. And that's that same word that impacts our view of the resurrection. It's real it's definite, it's powerful, and it's a downstairs expression of who God is and the difference that it makes in our lives. That it can enable us to flip our thinking and even how we view the difficulties. So let's come before God and let's pray. Our Father, lift our eyes. And help us to see Jesus today. Even if there are some of us here who are really struggling and literally just clinging on by their fingertips. Lord, as we hear that word to endure, may we take heart because knowing that enduring and receiving from you the strength that we need for the moment in which we live is that ultimately we will reign with you. Lord, help us to see what we can learn even in the midst of life and the difficulties and the struggles and the emotional upset. Help us to see Jesus with us and even how we might encourage one another and encourage your church. Amen.